Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Laura Grassi and today I'll be talking to you about how we can make science more accessible. Have you ever thought about accessibility in science? Let's be honest, we scientists don't always present our science in ways that are accessible to everyone and nor is lab-based science always accessible. Let's explore what accessibility is and highlight how we can make science more accessible and inclusive. What is accessibility? The topic of accessibility is fraught with nuance and complexity. The word accessibility can mean different things to different people in different contexts. With this in mind, here are some definitions of the terms mentioned in this episode. Disability. Any physical or mental condition that makes it more difficult for a person to do certain activities and interact with the world around them. Impairment. A long-term limitation in a person's physical, mental or sensory function. Accessibility. Providing an environment in which a person can do the tasks they need to do in a similar amount of time and with a similar level of effort as someone that does not have a disability. What is disability? Many aspects of everyday life are built for the mythical average person, with perfect vision, hearing and physical ability. In reality, very few people are like this, and many people live with visible and invisible disabilities. Some conditions fluctuate while others are chronic. Vision and hearing can range from almost perfect to non-existent with a full spectrum in between. Memory and literacy levels can also vary for different reasons, including neurodiversity, poor mental health, fatigue and stress. Physical ability also varies between individuals because of differences in mobility, dexterity and strength. Most of us also experience temporary, for example due to illness or injury, or situational disabilities, for example poor hearing in a noisy room or poor vision in bright sunlight. So, is the science research community accessible? Disability shouldn't limit accessibility in science, but it does. Diversity of thought and life experiences are essential to promoting good science, but if people who want to contribute to science are kept out of it due to a lack of access, this isn't good, and we should all be concerned. Think about the lab you work in. Is it accessible, for example, to someone in a wheelchair? Do you have access to ergonomic pets suitable for someone with repetitive strain injury, painful joints or arthritis? Have you been to a conference that provides different accessibility options for attendees? Accessibility in the lab. Because experiences of a disability are broad, there are various ways in which science is inaccessible. Physical accessibility. Traditionally, wet labs have been designed for people with no physical challenges. For people who find it difficult or cannot sit on a lab stool and those needing to use walking aids may need adjustable benches and wheelchair access to the labs. While this requires additional resources and planning, it's certainly doable and should be considered in all research institutes and organisations. Neurodivergent accessibility. Neurodivergence is a term used to describe someone who thinks, learns or behaves in a way that is different from what is considered normal. Neurodivergent disabilities are not always visible. People with autism can be extremely sensitive to their environment. This means their senses can be overstimulated. Employers and PIs could provide sunflower lanyards or jam, just a minute cards, to improve accessibility in the lab or even at conferences. Both are recognised symbols of hidden disabilities or communication barriers. An individual can use these to let others know they need extra time and understanding in a simple and private way if they get overwhelmed or are in a situation where they can't explain themselves. 
While there's no obligation on an individual to disclose their disability, in the case of hidden disabilities like autism, without disclosure, employers and organisations might not be able to implement the necessary changes to improve accessibility. Employers should encourage disclosure, provide safe spaces to do so, and be willing to follow through with tangible actions. For example, flexible working can let people work early or late when there are fewer people around and fewer stimuli. Or employers can change harsh lab lights for something softer. To learn more about neurodivergence, you may want to read Dr Camilla Pang's book, Explaining Humans, in which she writes about her experiences as a scientist with autism spectrum disorder. Science communication accessibility issues. Colours and fonts in presentation slides. About 1 in 20 people have some form of colour blindness and cannot tell the difference between specific colours. There are different types of colour blindness, including red-green, where it's challenging to distinguish between red and green, blue-yellow, where it's challenging to distinguish between blue and green, and yellow or red, and complete colour blindness, which is rare. Therefore, it's essential to consider what colour palette you use for your figures and presentation slides. Some software, such as GraphPad Prism, now comes with several colorblind safe color palettes. To make your data more accessible, you can check if your figures are colorblind safe using colorblind simulators or accessible color palettes. See the episode description for links to these tools. Font colors and styles can also negatively affect how some people can access and understand the data, with font style being particularly complex for some. Serif fonts have tails and ticks at the end of some letters, which can make them more difficult to read. Therefore, stick to sans-serif fonts such as Arial. Some studies have even suggested that dyslexic readers prefer more humanist fonts, that is, fonts with unique forms for letters B and D. Several unique fonts have been developed to help dyslexic readers. See the original article for names and references to such fonts. Before selecting your font for your next presentation or even grant proposal, you might want to select one from the list of accessible fonts linked in the episode description. Promoting accessibility in research. Often, it's a lack of awareness that makes things inaccessible. Therefore, institutions should train managers and people in positions of authority to help them understand the different aspects that affect accessibility. For example, neurodiversity, physical disabilities and impairments, and how to support people in the lab. Accessibility in science, what can you do? We can all do our part to promote positive changes that improve accessibility in science, but what immediate actions can you take? Here are some suggestions. Consider colour blindness and neurodivergency in your presentations. Consider using fonts suitable for dyslexic readers in your presentations and grant proposals and other writing. Read Dr Julia Surajou's article on how we can achieve genuine inclusion of disabled scientists and science students. Take a look at Dr. Camilla Pang's book, Explaining Humans, to learn more about autism spectrum disorder from a scientist's point of view. Read your institution's information. Most institutions have guidelines and policies on accessibility and provision of assistive technologies and services for disabled users. Inform yourself by reading these guidelines and policies. And finally, speak to your supervisor, lab managers and colleagues. So that's it for how we can make science more accessible. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your bedside. Flow Stars is back with season four. The podcast from Bettman Culture and Bite Size Bio and hosted by me, Peter O'Toole from the University of York. I'll bring you closer to the big names and the rising stars of flow cytometry and get to know the leaders and those rising stars 
outside of the lab and more personally. Grad school was a struggle for me, mostly because I wasn't sure what I was doing. I have, I don't know, 150 different spices, 130 cookbooks, so many kitchen gadgets. My kitchen is like a lab. What we do, we do it out of love for what we do. And that's a very different motivation. And I don't know that that's something you can teach. All this and more in season four of Flow Stars. Really hope you enjoy them. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.